From the Bent Pixel Studios in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Phone Booth Fighting, a free podcast covering the world of mixed martial arts and so far beyond. We've been doing for quite some time now with myself, Richard Hunter, and that guy, the two-time UFC heavyweight champion named... Frank Mir. Frank Mir, indeed. Current Bellator heavyweight contender who's got his next fight coming up with uh, Javi Ayala. Uh, in December. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later on. But Frank, you brought a friend for Show and Tell. Who's in studio with us? Uh, Serena De Jesus, uh, De Jesus yep. is in town. Or not in town. Is in studio right now. She trains over at Syndicate. She uh, just had her pre- de- pro debut back in April with a very successful amateur career. She's now transitioned to a pretty successful professional career. But she also represents something I thought was extremely interesting is uh, fighting for autism. So from there, I'll, I'll let uh, Serena take over. Yeah, so. Syndicate. We train at Syndicate. Yes, we do. That's right. I thought I recognized you. Yeah, part of the syndicate Does family. she ever help you in the mornings? Uh, we have not seen each other in the mornings yet. No. I've seen you rolling I, with other people. I thought it was kind of rude to interrupt. I always have oh, my yeah. hair up in a bun and everything. Oh, right. Yeah, because so. you probably wanted to help. You probably wanted to desperately help and jump in and try to. <laughs> Actually, I have, but I'm like, let me not be rude. She's, he's already working with, like, Jesse or somebody. I see you, like, working with Jesse a bit a, sometimes, and I'm like, yeah. I'll leave it to her. You He's know. already crying. I don't need to add to the uh, <laughs> insult to injury, yeah, the emotion. <laughs> but you know I'm what? Not that mean. <laughs> I've actually, uh, I've actually rolled with your sister because she's oh, been Kelsey. in one of the classes I mm-hmm. was in. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I got to meet her. But uh, yeah, tell us about. So so you have uh, you've already had your pro debut. That was Fusion Fight League, right? Yes. Very and good promotion. I love those guys. Cool and uh, got a win. So mm-hmm. you're one and zero, undefeated fighter. Fusion Fight League, and it was in um, well, it was like Montana, right? Yes, Bill- it was in um, Great Falls, Montana. Yeah. They bounced from Great Falls and Billings a bunch. Yeah, doesn't Great Falls, Montana, Frank? Sounds like a place you should have your pro MMA debut, doesn't it? Like it does sound very, <clears throat> you know, your Great Falls, Montana, your yeah. Thackerville, Oklahoma. There's, yes. you know, yeah. There's like everybody I think should have like one of those places on their on their resume. It's how cool. does Evansville, Indiana? Evansville, Indiana. That's a good one because well, that was yeah. my pre debut. Boy, do oh, I what? have a story? <laughs> do I have a story for you about one of my amateur fights? Let's hear it. I fought a deaf girl in the Italian ball, you know, in the ballroom of an Italian restaurant in Price, Utah. What? Yeah, it was a fun fight. I won that, but, you know, it was kind of funny. Um, I felt a little weird about, I mean, at this point, I was looking for fights. I had everybody, even down from, I was still living in Philadelphia, I had everyone all the oh. way down to Arkansas. I'd be like, nah, I don't want to fight this one. I'm like, mm-hmm. are you fucking serious? I mean, and then finally I got an offer. Nobody told me until, like, probably the week of the fight, the girl I was fighting was deaf. And I'm like, I don't know, you know, but yeah. I'm telling my mom, Mom, I don't know how I feel about fighting a deaf a deaf girl and she's right. like well i bet she doesn't feel great about hitting an autistic girl either just deal with it good point and i'm like yeah, yeah you know <laughs> she called the short bus cage match and i'm like mom <laughs> oh, that's your mom <laughs> my mom's a savage oh, i yeah? love her but she is a savage <laughs> that's interesting so okay so uh, how, how many amateur fights did you have i have seven amateur mixed martial arts bouts okay. i have two ami muay thai bouts and as you said i had my yeah. pro debut in april and it was a fun one okay so how many fights had you had by the time you fought in the italian restaurant um that was fight number three okay my third mm -hmm. mma fight yeah all right so i'm gonna make sure i get the picture here frank so it's for are there people eating in the italian restaurant no it's just they converted the whole 
oh. part ballroom of it into it. Like the cage was so like you know almost touched the ceiling. Oh I'm wow! Just like okay. How the fuck did this get sanctioned? Yeah, yeah, you know, and it was like right out outside. There was like a bar, and there's people going, like, "Where are my rednecks at?" I'm like, uh, I, I I see alcohol. You know, yeah. I just might have found my people after the fight. Yeah, you know, it was. Just, I'm in the middle of oil rigging, coal mining country. Sure. I'm just like, yeah, this is the thing. Yeah, and poor Roxanne, my friend Roxanne Mataferi uh-huh. drove me out here. It was me. Her and Jamie Moyle, you know, uh-huh. who was with oh, us yeah. at the time, yeah. and we're having this. Cr- it was funny because oh, Jamie. They, they yeah. were at the Italian restaurant. As yeah, well? they were my quartermen. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah, they're okay. my quartermen, and they're like, you know, it's funny because Jamie, she is the best person ever. So mm-hmm. calm, so zen, and we're going through the rules meeting. They're telling the corners not to stand up, and she's like, "Oh yeah, we're fine." Middle of the fight, she stands like, "Go, Serena, go!" With her little short stack self, I love her. Well, they probably didn't want him to stand up because they hit their head on the ceiling. Probably the way low, how short yeah. this is, but given you know Jamie's stature, you know that yeah. wouldn't have been a problem for her. Fighting a deaf girl in an Italian restaurant, Frank. How does that uh, compare with any of your uh, early fights? <laughs> She has been beat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have the story though about where you you fought and they only had two pairs of gloves, so they took the gloves off the perfect people who just fought and put them on the people who were fighting next. Yeah. Right? They were they were they actually had four sets. So you had the set that was inside the cage, okay. mm-hmm. and then whoever was on deck had a set. But then once the, their fight was over with the guys that fought, they took their gloves. And then hand it to the next guys that were going on deck. Yeah. So that way there was a smoother transition of glove care. But I'll bet those uh, were nice and moist. Uh, <laughs> that's yeah. okay. I've been to one though. The next one I went to, they let you bring your own gloves. I didn't think mm. that was the best idea in the no, world. But no, that's a good idea. <laughs> no, they just kind of looked at them like, yeah, this. I mean, they would check them so it wasn't like yeah. you could stitch a you know a short a shoehorn in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like what kind of like fusion fight like a little bit. I mean, you have they have gloves for you to take, uh-huh. but they also have gloves for you. To, you can bring your own gloves and have them. To, you know, but you know, check everything. Exactly. Oh, right, right. So, yeah, it, it was kind of the best of both worlds, but yeah, the thinnest gloves they had happened to be the pink gloves. So here we are, the women's fight of the night, and we're both wearing pink mm. ass gloves. I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, can this get any worse? Well, you're like, you know, <laughs> hey, I got autism awareness going. I got breast cancer. I got a lot of awareness going. I'm creating a lot of awareness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's you know. Um, it's really cool that you know that's that's part of your story, and I, I guess just to to kind of um, kind of get the background on it and everything in terms of like because um, I know there's different kinds of autism and things mm-hmm. like that. So for your particular case, like what are the challenges that that presents in terms of MMA? Um, I have light noise sensitivity, so mm-hmm. I, I normally wear a hat. You know mm-hmm. about because bright lights can hurt me over time, and I get really oh. bad migraines. I mean. Yeah, sorry Normally, about all this. This is fine right now <laughs> yeah. because I take CBD oil to really help me out. Like oh, it's yeah. really lessened my stuff. Like today I had a doc- I had to go see a doctor for something, and mm. they were like touching me, and I'm like shaking like this, and like what's going on? I'm like mm-hmm. sorry, sensory issues. Mm. So there are little things I have to adapt, and then noise sensitivity. Hence, mm-hmm. I wear headphones a lot. Oh know? yeah. So without the CBD oil, I was kind of like stimming everywhere. I'm shaking like this, and everyone's uh-huh. like, "She okay?" They're yeah. like looking at me weird. I'm like. We know what autism is for the autism wearers, but we don't know how to treat people with uh-huh. autism yet. Because three out of my four siblings, you know, me included, uh-huh. we're all autistic. Like Kelsey, who you rolled with, she's yeah. autistic. Yeah. My my big little brother, who just turned 15 yesterday, is autistic. Uh-huh. And then there's me. Uh-huh. So, yeah. but we thrive in a martial arts environment. It's a regimented routine. 
regimented things to do and, you know, set time people who are on the same mission as us. Oh, uh, yeah. So now, when you say, sens- would you say sensitivity yes. issues? So is that like, is it like touching? Like a little bit of touch, mm-hmm. but more of the light and noise. So before oh, okay. I always had to like do a routine, like I have to do certain things at certain times at on a certain day or mm-hmm. I'll freak the fuck out. It's mm-hmm. just, it doesn't make sense to other people watching, but to me it makes sense. And yeah. I have to have that routine or I'm freaking out. Yeah. Did the, did the process of train, I mean, I'm assuming like, how early did you find that the process of training martial arts helped with all that? Almost immediately, because yeah. I knew exerting myself in a physical manner helped. Like I used to power lift when I was in high school and everything. I was a hefty 180 and I was like squatting a little over 300 pounds and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. But um, once high school ended, my easy access to a weight room kind of went away and I'm like, I'm going to college now. What the hell do I do? If I don't have a physical outlet, I'm going to go. So I found a gym near where I lived and I started training in jujitsu and Muay Thai and I just felt great. I was exhausted and, you know, I lost a lot of weight and it was Mm -hmm. pretty nice and I kept doing it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was an avid uh, mixed martial arts fan. Like I was watching this one when I was very small, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, Forrest Griffin, everyone. So when I'm going in the syndicate and everyone, I'm like, oh my God, I watched you on TV when I was like a little girl, my dad, mm-hmm. on VHS tapes. Sorry to make you feel old, Frank. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's really cool. Like for example, me and Roxy became friends. I was first her fan and mm-hmm. then I came training with her and now we're like inseparable. Yeah. Like a dynamic duo of sorts. Yeah, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Roxanne Montefari, of course, you're talking about uh, uh, UFC women's uh, uh, flyweight. And and, um, you know, she has such incredible technique. I was actually, when we were watching you train the other day, Frank, in the pro class, I think I was telling Princey this or James, I, we were just watching her and I was like, her technique is so incredible. Like her grappling technique is just so tight. It's really clinical to uh, to watch. You brought up Forrest Griffin. Hey, just apropos of nothing, but I just, pertaining uh, uh, to this conversation, but it just reminded me, is your grappling match with, with Forrest this weekend? Yeah. Okay. The Saturday. Okay, that's Saturday, <clears throat> right? Now, uh, that's going to be uh, – people can stream it, I believe, online. That's what I saw. I think it on their Facebook. Uh, Black, Black Belt CBD is putting it on, right? right? Okay. So you can attend it if you're here in Vegas, but I think yeah. there's also a Facebook Free admission stream. for anybody under 21 years of age. Yeah. Sweet. And I think the admission even for – is only like $10. Okay. Oh, that's perfect. There's, right. There should be no excuse why no one should come. Yeah. Yeah, I heard – now, I wasn't here to witness this. I, maybe you heard this rumor around the gym the other day, uh, Serena, but I saw on uh, someone's Instagram that – they somebody had let Frank and Forrest train in the same class, not thinking that these two are going to war on Saturday. And it turned out, Mikey, things got heated. The two started going at it, and John Wood's mom had to chase them both out of the gym with a broom handle. <laughs> did you hear about that, Serena? I did hear about yeah. that. I wasn't there, but I had I a lot of people tell me that. Sure. I'm like, this doesn't surprise me. No, this is intense. But so, uh, at the same time, you know what? Think of it this way. You know, they're training to put on a good show for everybody. Yes. And they're going to show great jujitsu. Now, normally, I'm not a big grappling fan. I grapple so I don't have to grapple. But when yeah. I watch Frank or Roxy or anybody grapple, I'm like, this is entertaining grappling. Like, for example, with Quintet, I was very entertained by the Did grappling there. Oh, I went. It was cool, right? It was great, yeah. you know? And uh, it was funny because someone was asking when Frank walked out, like, oh, my God, what do y'all feed this man? I'm like, human souls, sometimes egg whites, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Shido. Mm -hmm. Shido for you. Shido. Yeah. I like entertaining grappling, you know? And that was exactly what it was. And, I'm, you know, just seeing how all that went, I'm like, this should be invested in heavily. This is not, like, normal, like, going to a naga, watching grappling there. It's not, like... 
you know, some super fight. This is like, this is intense. This yeah. is the kind of grappling that should be popularized. You know, the only part that screwed me up is that I actually tried to pull guard in the in the overtime right. to get into the half guard. The the in the super golden time. Yeah, round. yeah whatever the hell that was. <laughs> And it felt so awkward. I did it so shittily. Afterwards, Rob was like, hey, what was that? I'm like, that was my attempt at pulling guard. He goes, man. I'm like, I used to know how to do that. I'm yeah. like, but when's the last time anybody pulled guard in an MMA fight? I'm like, I might have to practice that again. So like this whole last two weeks, I've been actually practicing how to sit to my ass again because mm -hmm. that's like a major no-no in fighting. Like, oh, yeah. No yeah. one pulls guard. You yeah. know what I mean, well, you know, there's like the occasional Ioki guy or, or who's uh, who, who just won the Ultimate Fighter. Um, or not just. Uh, oh, oh you, are I you talking about Ryan Hall? Yeah. He, the jiu-jitsu specialist? He does yeah. pretty well pulling guard, you know what I mean? Like back, his little 50-50 right? yeah. series. Yeah. But for the most part, most people, if pulling guard, you do that, most coaches are going to fucking blow a fuse at, yeah. the, at the side of the cage. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. like you, it's either that or someone's going to try and slam your ass. Just like, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then, but now in a grappling match, I'm like, all right, I'm going with gold medicine judo. I'm not getting this fucker on his back. Yeah. Let me at least try to pull the half guard to be able to, you know, maybe sweep him there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So that's that. I like that expression. You you uh, you train to grapple so you don't have to grapple. Yes, that's that's a pretty good expression. Yeah, because yeah. when I first came to Syndicate, because I'm from Philadelphia originally, uh -huh. Roxy was throwing me around like a rag doll. I'm heavier than her, but mm -hmm. it's just like no effort, and she's throwing me. I'm like, God damn it! So I yeah. even though I'm you know I've done jujitsu Muay Thai at the same time, and I've been in MMA for a little bit, I realized there were some pieces and components that were missing. So me and Roxy tend to bring up the best in each other, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because of her grappling expertise and I'm more of a striker. Mm -hmm. You know, I did Muay Thai fights and everything before I even got into MMA. You know, it's great. So I grapple so I don't have to. And if mm -hmm. I took someone down, they really fucked up. Let's yeah. just put it that way. If I took you down, cause like if I cow catchered somebody, if I did whatever, yeah, you really fucked up, but I got your back, yeah. you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, so have you won most of your, uh, fights yes. by striking or I mean it went to decision but in the Emmy mm. rules you got like two minutes yeah which is almost nothing yeah there's been times of almost finished people getting full mount I even went against um uh what's it a uh, judo brown belt who was mm. on Mexico's national judo team and one of my fights for tough enough mm -hmm. and she kept trying to throw me one time she did mm -hmm. actually got on top and started you know I did like gift wrap to start beating her and then she started to hold me down a full mount start pounder but by the time I almost finished her, you know, the time went off. I'm like, mm -hmm. With the exception of one fight, all of my stuff have been decisions. And ironically, my first fight, I won by a rear naked choke against a jiu-jitsu instructor, no less. Oh, yeah. So she kept taking me down because in Pennsylvania, you got almost pancreation rules. You can't hit the face of a grounded opponent. Mm. You can't kick the face even though you got shin pads on. Yet, in Pennsylvania, in Muay Thai, you can kick the face. It's mm. like, what mm -hmm. the fuck are we doing here? So this girl is trying to take me down because every time I'm standing, I'm standing up and hitting her, it looks like I almost took her neck off. And um, so she tries to take me down. I grapevine her. I put her down to her belly. And I get the rear naked choke. But we're wearing these puffy training gloves in our MMA debut. And I can't readjust. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Pop my hips in, extend her, and I just finish it. Mm. And I'm like, I just got my blue belt like a month ago. And I just did this to somebody who got their brown, purple or brown belt. And I'm like, hey. Yeah, that goes <laughs> to show you any given day, you know. I grapple mean, you, so I don't have to fucking yeah, grapple. Yeah. <laughs> it only takes a second to get caught in a bad position. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you won your pro debut. That was back in what, April? Yes. Right? Okay. And then um, and nothing else booked yet, right? No. Um, I kind of announced on my social media, um, 
I'm a little hurt. You know, I had to take a step back from training. A training accident happened kind of mm-hmm. right after my my victory. Um, so, you know, I just got to get surgery whenever it finally gets, you know, booked. And mm-hmm. I'm out for three months, but I'll still be doing it. You know, I'll still be training. Like if Tyron Woodley can train in the sling or whatever with just one arm, I still got two good feet. Yeah. Still got, you know, the rest of me healthy. So I can, stu- I can still do whatever. Yeah. We got a guy in uh, Wimp to Warrior that was walking around in a boot for quite a while. Yeah. And now we got a guy with a bunch of broken toes. Done that. Sounds like it's training. I yeah. broke my pinky toe once while in the middle of camp, and no one knows how valuable your pinky toe is mm. until it's broken. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like you when, say, you, uh, when you walk out, and you know, we had talked about your training, like you know, you have audio, um, you could have audio senses issues, and then visual with the lights. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm assuming you can block out your walkout with headphones. Mm-hmm. How are you going to deal with the lighting? techno that is going to occur on the walkout does it bother you or do you have cues that like when you're getting stressed out like what's your way of calming down from peeking out on a stressful situation i try to just zero in and focus on what i'm doing like for the last few walkouts i've done you notice i don't walk it's not a walkout it's a run out i'm making a beeline mm. and i have my head you know the lights i try to not focus on too much and lately, like I said, because of the CBD I've been using, I have a, I have a friend who runs a, a CBD shop up in Henderson, uh, the Healing Panda. He makes some um, custom CBD for me, and it's really been a joy. You know, it's made life a lot easier. I'm not stimming all over the place. But before the CBD, I was focusing, okay, this is it. This is like sparring, but someone's being an asshole, and they're coming in your gym. you got to show them what's good. And I have to keep that mentality. I have to keep that, you know, when I have music in. I have to keep that certain beats per minute. Like I listen to dance music, for example, when I come out, mm. which is because it matches my heart rhythm, which is about 120 beats per minute for the music, which is matching my heart, you mm-hmm. know, kind of racing a little bit. So the autistic kid gets in a fight and thinks it's a dance party. Yeah. That would that <laughs> would suck if you didn't like dance music, but you needed dance music. Only certain types. Okay. All right. What do you go to? Jax Jones. Okay. Pretty good stuff. All right. But all this other EDM nonsense, not really into too much, but Jax Jones, like he has a good, you know, about some reggaeton influence and uh-huh. hip hop influence and stuff into it. And it's really good. Hmm. So since you like to be focused in and help to, uh, the, the ambient noise and light you try to divert from, mm-hmm. does that change ways of coaching you? Like, is it better for us if you were being coached to wait till you come to the corner to give you instruction instead of shouting at you during the fight? Because you're really trying to block out outside audio and, 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 and sensory and you're hyper-focused on your opponent. Does having a coach screaming, you know, you know, a combination or a movement, does that distract you more than it's actually benefiting you? No, because the benefit of John, my coach John Wood, is he has a very distinct voice. I'm able to block out people's voices that I don't know. I'll hear maybe John, I'll hear Roxy, and the occasional time my parents are there, I'll hear, I'll hear them screaming. Okay, so you're able to like I'm audit able, it Yeah, it's, it's easy over time to do it. When I first started, it was really hard. And I, you could see like in the walkout video, I'm like, oh, what the fuck am I doing here? Mm. And But as time went on, it was easier to learn how to filter out the crowds and everything and just focus, okay, John's in this ear. Roxy's in this ear. Maybe as I'm fighting, I'm hearing maybe my mom screaming, kick her ass, she ain't got shit. You know, that stuff. You it's know? like selecting favorites on your phone. You Pretty know how much. you got like your top 10 yeah. numbers. And it's not an off, easy right? process. Yeah. It's really something yeah. to learn because John has a good habit of mock coaching while I'm in sparring or whatever oh, while in yeah. fight camp. 
So it makes it easier for me to learn to filter out everybody else sparring and yelling yeah. or grunting or whatever and just hear John telling me, okay, Serena, sit out to your right hip or something or um, shuffle jab, this, that. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay. Because mm -hmm. yeah. if John's voice blended in with other people it would be a struggle, but he's very distinct. He doesn't really yell too much. But his voice is so distinct, I can hear it, yeah. even amongst the chaos. You've, you talked before, Frank, about how you can hear just different random things yeah. being said during fights. and stuff. I, I think that's so interesting because I think the average fan who hasn't fought and things like that would probably think, you know, it's just a constant, you know, the crowd. Right. And the idea that you could hear just select I've had, thoughts. Yeah. Well, just because I've fought comments. for so many times yeah. now. You know, like anything else, I mean, if, if you train tigers, the very first time you're around one, your heart was probably going to fly out of your chest. Mm -hmm. The minute someone even said you're going to work tomorrow, you probably mm -hmm. fucking had it, you know, I got to go to the bathroom, you know. And not that I'm still not nervous in fights, but obviously it's a lot less. And, you know, the last couple of years of my career, I could be doing something on the ground or moving and I can hear people talking and, you mm -hmm. know, like, ah, so afterwards, ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> and, and the sad part is I'll focus in on their conversation sometimes. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that with uh, when we were watching Bellator this weekend. Of course, uh, Frank was, was doing the, uh, the analyst desks, and I was thinking about that watching, like, because a lot of times I'll see the ring card girls, like, checking their text messages or whatever, and I'm like, I, I know that's what you want to be, but let's at least all pretend we're concerned about this fight that's going on. Yeah, like, right? Yeah. Okay, hold on. When we're in between, go back to, uh, let me tell you the joke that uh, later on in the show. Yeah. Remind me to tell you what Jay Glazer did to me. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was funny. Okay. No, it was quite comical. Yeah. A um, little bit off of fighting, but more autistic uh, conversation. Do you, f because now you, you, your brother has, he's on the spectrum. Your, your he has Asperger's son. like me. Okay. Yeah. Asperger's is the least, not the least, but is it the most functioning, they call it? I guess. Well, what's the terminology? I don't want to stomp on anything. Well, know. yeah. Asperger's is not, you know, it's different. <clears throat> it's the kind of autism I feel people don't see because everyone thinks there's a look to it. Or mm -hmm. like, for example, I've had people on Twitter saying, you're not that autistic. I'm like, because I do a good job masking it, asshole. Mm. And I made like a big post. It's just like, I'm tired of people saying that because it's just like, right. you know, if they're like, oh, well, everybody's a little autistic. Well, I guess because people have cramps and back pain, everyone's a little pregnant, so shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, I'm, I'm making a blog post. Like, I had a caseworker till I was 20. From a little kid till I was 20 years old, I mm. had a caseworker. And, you know, I had to learn social skills because I didn't get all of them. Uh -huh. You know, it's not like I was being an asshole or anything on purpose. Just like things were like mm. right over my head. Mm -hmm. um, my motor skills were shit. I couldn't really do too much athletics. Like I would trip over things that were not there because I would toe walk and stuff. And I had to go through occupational therapy in school and all sorts of stuff. So people, so when people see you right now, this is not a representation of just an average case, but this is somebody who has Asperger's, who's worked very hard and yes. diligently to get to the point you are right now. Yeah, this is some... This to where really you pass off, I mean, not to, as an insulting term, but really no one thinks that you have anything when you're in the gym. Like, I didn't know. When, yeah. Your sister and your brother a little bit more, okay, there's something there. I don't know. I, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I get, you know, when I t spoke to your sister, I'm like, oh, how old are you? You know what I mean? Because at first I'm like, wow, you must really be old for your age. Look, and then she's, no, I'm, you know, I'm 17 or 16. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. And then, but then when my wife says, oh, no, but Serena also, I'm like, really? I, I, I didn't know. And then until talking to you and I ask you, because you don't really go up to people and go, hey, by the way, do you have any issues that you were born? Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm, I'm a big example of like, struggling through and just keep chugging no matter what. I'm one step abroad. So 
I was stubborn through all my, you know, my OT and PT I had to do. I'm stubborn through all the, you know, socialization I was forced into to learn how to how to people. As well, I put do it. you find that maybe the hardest, most difficult aspect of having Asperger's or, or, or not being, you know, being a functioning aut- person with autism is that if you were born, let's say, handicapped that you were in a wheelchair, immediately people look at you and they understand, mm-hmm. okay, you were given a different set of rules in this life. You're going to have to work harder than the rest of us, you know, you know, just the facet of how it is. But when someone looks at you, they're like, well, you look fine. Yeah. And then there's no respect for like, no, I have to work very diligently and difficult. And this is, mm-hmm. this is a process that I have to stay up on so that I come off as quote unquote, what your normal version of a person yeah. seems in social interactions. Yeah. I always talk about how I have one foot in one world. Like, the neurotypical world, neurotypical is like the people who are not autistic, and uh-huh. then the neurodivergent world, the people who are autistic. Yeah. So I look normal. I, I work to look like I fit in with everybody else while masking some of my, you know, my little, you know, how I shake sometimes. Like sometimes mm. people see me do this with my head, kind of shake it like, you know, rapidly for no reason. Like I have little tics that I try to hide to like, because I was bullied as a kid for it, for being different and everything. Mm. You know, and I got into a lot of fights because of it, you know, and I try to do it. So not only to not, you know, have that happen, but to also for other people not to feel all weird because mm-hmm. it contributes to kind of my social anxiety I still have, mm-hmm. rega- you know, because of all this growing up. Is it easier for you, you think, than it'll be for your brother? Just because, and the reason I say this, not that it's easier for you, it was obviously difficult, yeah. not undermining what you're doing, but in our society, it's acceptable more for a woman to you know, or you, there's something wrong with you, it's okay. Whereas a man, and then now we're, we're compounding that with it's a mental issue where I can't see that you have your arm in a sling or that you're in a wheelchair, you're walking with a stick because you're blind. And then being male, you're kind of, told, you know, like suck it up. You know, like I feel like that's why on a different note, when you find out all the military guys with PTSD, mm-hmm. they're all committing, su- not all, but there's such a high yeah. percentage of suicide yeah. because as a man, I'm not allowed to come out and talk to you like, hey, dude, I'm, ha- I'm having a hard time. Yep. That's an awkward conversation for men to have. So do you think your brother is looked at like where society, not that they give you a pass, but it's more acceptable for a woman to have an issue than it is for the male, especially a mental issue? In autism, I believe it's actually vice versa. Oh, okay. So this whole lighted up blue that autism speaks by the way shit foundation doesn't really care about people on the spectrum they actually spend more money on catering events than they do helping autistic people sounds like most your <laughs> that whole lighting lighting up blue it was a whole thing for they would diagnose boys with autism and refuse to diagnose women because women were better at masking which is hiding their their little ticks and stuff than boys were so I do this, you know, I'm go- I've gone through my trial of fire, so hopefully my little brother and my little sister don't fall into the pitfalls I had to go through because what happened with me first, I'm a child of the 90s. Everybody knew all the kids in the 90s had ADHD, so we're all in Ritalin and shit. Mm. So I was misdiagnosed for a long-ass time. I didn't get my autism diagnosis until I was 13. By that time, I've been through all the different antipsychosis medicines. Like, I was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder, bipolar, ADHD, ODD everything under the sun. And these meds were killing me. They were hurting my organs, they were making me fat, they were making me depressed, they were making me hostile, and they've led me to some very unsavory places. Now because of the, you know, my struggle, my siblings haven't had to had, you know, go on these meds or oh, whatever. Your parents got to learn through you. Yeah. And you know, you I don't learned, blame my parents. Pass it on. No. You know, I blame Big Pharma. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that every, you know, 
you know, no one take meds. There are some people who really do need meds, but we have a really big problem as a nation, you know, overprescribing antipsychosis oh, medicines. Yeah, yeah. There are countries that do brain scans on people before they give them these medicines because they know the damage they will mm. do. Meanwhile, in this country, we don't care. We write them off a script and, tr and just treat them like a pharmaceutical lab rat, which was exactly what I was for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. When Princey comes on later on, we can bring that up to him because he's had that conversation with me that that I didn't think, honestly, until I started traveling and he pointed it out, he mm -hmm. goes, because he lived in America for a little while, he goes, you guys Americans are weird. He goes, you're fucking sad, you get a pill. You fucking, you know oh, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You can't take a shit, take a pill. Or, you know, yeah. Take a pill, yeah. take a pill, take a pill. Yeah. He goes, he goes, it's not like that over on the other side of the pond. Right. You know? like, right. You know, not that we don't give pills out, but it's like, it's for legitimate reasons, you know, mm -hmm. just because, yeah. you know, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, my, I want to get rid of toenail fungus. Take a pill. What mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. fuck are you talking mm -hmm. about, uh, When you're you know, you talk about like your 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 mom being in the in the crowd and all that kind of stuff, and your parents were your parents immediately? Did they immediately see the benefits of you training martial arts, or was there any resistance at first? At first, my mom, you know, being my mom, she had a little bit of resistance of her, you know her child being hit in the face. Sure, but. When they saw the benefits, how I was, how my mood was, like how happy I was after training, even though I'm like dead exhausted on the floor, looking like someone needs to like scrape me up with a spatula mm -hmm. or something, they're like, you know what, she's doing a lot better than she used to. Like, I've tried my hand at all sorts of athletics, but training has made me happier and mm -hmm. healthier than anything I've ever tried in life. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're like, and I've stuck mm -hmm. with it because of that. Right. You know, it's not just like I like fighting or because fighting's great. But I like how it keeps me sane. Like, mm. because I've had to limit, for example, how, how much training I'm doing now because of my injury. Mm. You know, I'm going through my own stuff, but thankfully, you know, I have a good, you know, good support system with Roxy and everything. My sports shrink, uh, Mario Soto. You know, so I'm not as bad as some people. Because I know some people who don't train, they go nuts. Like they're, mm. they go through like the whole angry, happy, sad in like three seconds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, and anytime I do anything in the medical profession, and, and I don't have to go there a lot, but anytime now because of my age, I'm starting to do more things, you know, I got to get more tests. And anytime I'm around anybody in the neuro world and they know that I'm a fighter, it's almost an abonishment, you know, like Jesus, you know, like why would you want to get hit in the head? Now, since you really have your foot in that door way more than I mm -hmm. ever will, was there resistance from that side telling you, like, you, you're going to get punched in the head? No. Nah. I was good because... Autism is, you know, it, yeah, it's a neurological condition. It's not going to get worse by me being. Well, no, no, and, and not that they would think it would get worse, but you're dealing with people that your workers that are helping you mm -hmm. that deal with the brain. And typically, whether if I told them I'm going to fight, they'd be like, "Why would you do that? You not get hit in the head." I Somebody who that, yeah, no mm. one's giving me crap about you know getting hit in the head. Even neurologists. My dad's been a nurse literally as long as I've been alive, and he's been in every oh. department of the hospital. He doesn't care. He's like, all he cares about is like. If I get back-to-back -back knockouts, then we might have a sit down about it then. Mm. But like, mm -hmm. other than that, yeah, he's cheer he's happy. He sees his little girl whooping another little girl's ass. Yeah, <laughs> huh. yeah. I thought there would be, because I have one friend who's a, a, a neurosurgeon. Yeah. And he won't stop showing me pictures. He's talking to me and be like, "You yeah. should not be hitting." Yeah. You know I mean, like he's. I mean, he won't let his kids play football. Like. You know, and I can't argue with the guy. I mean, he deals yeah. with people that have severe head injuries mm -hmm. from contact sports or from getting in car wrecks. And, you know, if right now you're in Vegas and you bash your head and he's probably the guy that's going to try to put your brain back together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so he is not a fan of fighting. So I just wondered if some of the people you work with, that they also too would be like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? like, mm -hmm. No, I have a good support system because they know I fight smart, you know, and they know I won't 
you know, if I get a concussion in training or something, I won't be a dumbass and go back into training without giving myself proper rest. They know for the most part, I take very good care of my body. I won't let pride or ego interfere with that. Like, for example, I wish, you know, with whatever's going on in my body that um, I could train, but I also don't want to fuck mm. myself up worse and be out longer, right? Does someone with Asperger's, you read social cues well, or did you have to learn that? I had to learn that, all of it. Like, when I was younger, if it, other emotions other than happy, angry, or sad, I didn't know what it was. Like, when someone's doing something with their eyebrows trying to be subtle, I'm like, Whew. It's mm. like, what? What was that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would be, at that time, I would have been the worst spy in the world <laughs> because of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you always, because to me, you have a very outgoing personality, which is a good thing. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a nice thing for anybody to have. But it's also the kind of thing, I think people who have more outgoing personalities and who are more gregarious then end up even having a harder time trying to explain to somebody they have a special challenge because a lot of people don't have, uh, they're, they're introverts and they're like, man, that person's way more on the ball than I am because they're so good at communicating. And ironically, communicating is one of the challenges of autism. So uh, have you always had that? Like, did that help you to have that personality or is it something you feel like you developed? It's something I think I developed because I was kind of quiet. You mm -hmm. know, I was very into my books and stuff like, you know, always had my A's and B's, always on honor roll, always on Dean's List in college and stuff, but I didn't start socially flourishing until I started training. Oh, yeah. And I did it because it's like, you know, I obviously can't speak for everybody on the spectrum, mm -hmm. but for people who relate to me on the spectrum, I can be like, hey, you know, you're not alone, and talk about some of it, because like I said earlier, we have awareness of what autism is, but we don't have awareness enough about how to treat people with autism. Because, yeah, it's a spectrum, everyone's different, but there are still people who are wanting to speak for people with autism when they don't even have it, or make every autism story be like, oh, woe is me, I have an autistic daughter or son. Like, it's another reason I don't like Autism Speaks. They give parents who openly talk about murdering their autistic children a platform for pity. And I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. Yeah. But um, I speak, you know, because I'm not the only autistic um, MMA fighter like John Doomsday Howard. Um, he got diagnosed in his late 30s with um, autism as well. Mm. And he's kind of outgoing too. You mm -hmm. know, you talk to mm -hmm. him about it. And Anthony Hopkins also got a recent diagnosis of um, Asperger's, and he's like in his 70s. Wow. Yeah. And, but that makes him a good actor because he's studying all the faces and stuff. Right. You know, so he's learning. It helps with his acting career when you think about it. Mm. So. Yeah. Kind of, I'm just out there just, you know, to show that there's not a negative connotation with being autistic. Yeah. yeah. Is it easier to have social interactions for people that are autistic with other autism? Or does it even make it worse when the two it autistic people? It really depends. Like, sometimes, like, I... It's too try, complex yeah. with people, It's right? too complex because that's like saying, you know, every person who is, I don't know, a fighter can immediately get along. No, you got different personalities. You got different things Well, I was just thinking because of naturally, you know... For example, picking up on social cues mm -hmm. probably means that someone with autism doesn't give social cues. So then the two of them is like, well, I'm not pitching, you're not catching, yeah. like it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, it, it's sometimes hard because some people have the social skills on the spectrum, some are still learning. So there's kind of a miscommunication half the time and it gets really awkward. Like um, I try to communicate with other people on the spectrum and they just, you know, I can't tell if they're, you know, they don't get it or they're just being a little off. And it's it kind of puts me in this, I don't know what the fuck's going on, so mm. I'm a step back, you know. So there's times there's cross lines and miscommunication, and sometimes it gets along great. It's really a luck of the draw. 
Is there any one thing that, that always annoys the fuck out of you that, I guess, what was the word used? A normal neuropath? Or what? Uh, neurotypical. Neurotypical. That the neurotypical do the, towards the neuroatypical? Um, they always try to, like, you know, speak for us. They try to speak for us, like, oh, autism is this. And we got these autism warrior parents, like, I, who come on my Twitter and say I'm not that autistic because I can communicate. I'm communicating on fucking Twitter. Shut up. You know, a lot of people on the spectrum are now yeah. utilizing the internet to communicate with one another because it's easier because some of them are nonverbal. You know, some of them have oh, a hard yeah. time making eye contact. I'm doing it now a little bit because I've been taught since I was like, you know, 13, you know, till I was 20. So I've had a, you know, had a lot of training on how to do it. But, you know, how, who the fuck are you to come on to me and say, I'm not that autistic because I don't match your kid who's got a different diagnosis than me, has different skill levels than me. Yeah. You know, and I write about this in a blog. I mean, I haven't wrote, I'm about ready to make a new blog post because I haven't made one in forever. Well, I think I always kind of understood that, unless I'm wrong, mm -hmm. that autism's on a spectrum. Yes. Mm -hmm. You have what they consider highly functioning mm -hmm. people with autism that can basically go undiagnosed even. Mm -hmm. Be like, ah, yeah. oh, so-and-so's a little quirky, but yeah. yeah, there's nothing wrong with them. All the way to somebody who just will never speak, doesn't make eye contact, mm -hmm. who basically is shut off from how we interpret the world. Yeah, but these parent, these autistic warriors parents or whatever they always assume everybody with autism has to be that nonverbal, you know doesn't make the end of the yeah. it's like look it's a spectrum and like i said every autism story doesn't have to be a sob story it doesn't have to be one of victimhood either celebrate the triumph celebrate yeah. all, the, all the good stuff it's, that comes with it it's also you know i think it's just a, a general flaw of human nature that that a lot of people just naturally gravitate toward any any group whatever that group is okay let's let's divide everybody up who's more who's less who's mm -hmm. better who's you know they stereo they make it stereotypical yeah like because like i'm saying like okay because i don't fit in the stereotypes of autism you believe in mm -hmm. apparently not autistic or not autistic enough to have a voice and speak for other people who are like-minded like me on the spectrum yeah. Who the fuck are you to try and silence my voice like that? Yeah. Like, I see people who are authors talking. There was one, one woman who made a book that was New York Times bestseller about her son. Oh, from Siri with Love. That's the book. And I hate giving this author, or, or, you know, credit or the book or whatever. But she's talking about intimate details about her son without his permission. And now this poor kid is probably going to be embarrassed for the rest of his life because of the choices his mother made in order about talking about autism mm. and it disgusts me it's like if you're going to talk about autism you don't do that you don't humiliate your son publicly yeah, like that right and then whine about people who are autistic calling you out about saying they're stifling your free speech yeah well i think uh i think this is a good platform to be able to do it and like i said you've got uh, to me you've got a uh, a great personality and a, a demeanor that helps to communicate that because you know, there's because you're talking about different levels. There are people who are are far enough on the other side of that level. They're not going to be able to communicate mm -hmm. that. You know, so it, in a weird way, I maybe can draw an MMA analogy because we talk sometimes about how people can be. There's so much of a, a depth of knowledge in MMA, but sometimes people who are really accomplished fighters aren't particularly adept at being able to explain it or coach it if mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah. so it's it's kind of a unique 
uh, ability within that world to be able to be one of the people who can not only do it, but communicate it. And I guess Mm -hmm. to to finish the analogy, somebody who not only lives it, but can also articulate the the situation. And pass it on. For sure. Right on. Yeah. And that's why I have an outgoing personality, you Mm -hmm. know, because, you know, I went from little shut in, you know, I still Mm kind of am. I play my video games and stuff when I'm not training. But I come out there, you know, because I remember what it's like to be kind of shy and antisocial. Now I just kind of want to be with everyone and all happy because I know what having no friends because I couldn't really get everything together was like. But now I want to be with everybody and kind of share my experiences with the world. Well, thanks for coming on with us today. Mm-hmm. Let's tell everybody how to follow you on social media. So yeah. I'm everywhere, pretty you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Serena Southpaw. So mm-hmm. y'all can follow me wherever. I'm going to continue posting about, you know, my views on autism and stuff. Mm-hmm. Also starting a Twitch, so on my off time. So if you guys love video games and want to play with play? me. Right now, I'm really heavy into Call of Duty with my um, sponsors because they also own esports teams and they decide to sponsor me. Mm. Beef Jerky Company, Jerky Pro, love those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also big into Monster Hunter World and I'm playing the new Mega Man game that came out because that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> well, come back on with us. Uh, keep us posted on uh, when your next fight is. Of and uh, maybe come back on with us and let's talk about uh, when the next fight is. When you Sounds got a fight good. coming up, something like that. Hey, you know what, Frank? We're doing parting gifts for in studio guests because uh-huh. we got to move some books. So, uh, for being our guest in studio today, Serena De Jesus receives a copy of The Pact by Cody Garbrandt. So we've got to okay. enjoy that. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, we got a stack Ooh. of books we got to pass out Sweet. over there. All right. Well, thanks for coming on with us, and uh, we'll see you on the show next time. All, all right. right. Thanks for okay. having me on, guys. Another member of our syndicate MMA family here on Phone Booth Fighting. All right, Frank. We've got uh, Princey, Carl Prince, your striking coach in studio with us. If you're uh, wondering who the new face is in studio, we've also got a new face over on our uh, FaceTime, and that is going to be the focus of our next segment because he is Craig Diamond, the uh, the owner, the CEO of Diamond MMA. Craig, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? It's good to meet you. Good, you too. Thanks for having me. So, Craig, I have to tell you, I don't know if uh, Adam, your PR guy, told you this whole backstory, but um, he actually reached out to us, Frank, uh, and said, uh, hey, I really love the content of Phone Booth Fighting and your podcast. Would you be interested in having our, our owner, Craig, on the show? Craig, as I got that, I mean, you know, we have sponsors on the podcast and stuff like that, and a lot of times we we get familiar with the sponsors when they first approach us about coming on the podcast or whatever. Not the case with Diamond MMA, because when I got that email from Adam, I had just gotten done sparring. I'm sitting in the parking lot of Syndicate MMA wearing my Diamond MMA cup. And Craig, the reason I was wearing my Diamond MMA cup is because this guy over here, Frank Mir, when I asked him, what is the best cup I could get? What did you tell me? I told him the Diamond. I told him the cup's great cup, and and, you know, and I like Muay Thai cups also, but the diamond cup, the, the suspension system it comes with, Thai cups don't have that, man. They come with a rope. So, I mean, it's just it's light years ahead of the game. This thing is about it's, – it's weird meeting you now, Craig, because I feel like because your cup – We've had such an intimate relationship for a long period of time now. You know what I'm saying? It's like it feels like we're doing it in reverse. It feels like you and I should have gone out to dinner a couple of times first, and then, you know, I have the relationship with the product, but it's actually happened backwards. So that's my long way of telling you you make an awesome product. So uh, thanks. Thanks, (laughs) I appreciate it. You know, it's been uh, been a labor of love. I've been working on this for almost 10 years, and I've been a – 
athlete. I played football and baseball and hockey and wrestled and uh, jujitsu. And there was never a good cup growing up. And most guys didn't wear cups. So um, I got into the sport. I started actually making T-shirts. This is one of our designs, the yeah. Diamond MMA brand. I kind of thought all the all the T-shirt brands in MMA were kind of cheesy with the flaming skulls and eagles and you know all that. So I came up with a T-shirt brand, and then through that, we started making fight shorts. And then through talking to fighters, um, they really needed a good cup. So we kind of scrapped all that and started interviewing all the fighters across the country at the top gyms what they like and don't like about their current cups and. We're finding out a lot of guys were doubling up, having to put underwear or compression shorts over their cup just to keep it locked in place. Right. And a lot of guys, like Frank said, were wearing the, the Muay Thai cups that has that shoelace up your, your crack. So right. we kind of just designed everything. I you know, I mortgaged my house and, and, and uh, spent a lot of time up late at nights just figuring out how to design a comfortable, protective cup. So... If you're fighting in the cage and you get kicked, you know, in the family jewels, you're not going to go down and, and need that stoppage time. So, um, you know, the real design oh, is yeah. a compression short. Mm -hmm. It's got, as you can see, built-in jock strap mm -hmm. and two straps that kind of go on the butt. And these straps is similar to that Muay Thai strap that'll go up your crack, but it's a little more comfortable, and that's going to keep that cup in place, along with our... Um, our diamond MMA cup that's comfortable and protected. I've always so. preferred not to have things up my butt. Boy, <laughs> preaching most, to the choir there. Most, you're right. Yeah. Never been yeah. into pegging. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, you know, that's, um, and you're holding up the exact model there that uh, that I wear. And then, of course, we got the uh, the demo on the website here up on the big screen in the studio. But the, the first thing that, that I noticed about it, and, you know, the, I'm telling you, anybody who uh, mm -hmm. does – any kind of athletics that where you, you're you're going to have a cup. I always tell them, especially training MMA. I mean, even if you're not training MMA, so you just do jujitsu, whatever. Mm -hmm. I always tell people there's two things you definitely want to invest in: a good mouthpiece and a good cup. Because to me, mouthpieces and cups, uh, Craig, are like uh, coffee and boob jobs. You know, you get what you pay for. You can save a little money, but uh, you're definitely going to feel it on the back end. So so the first thing that, that I noticed about taking Frank's recommendation, because I had gone through all the cups where, you know, I mean, even, even the ones that weren't particularly cheap, I mean, you could still spend a decent amount of money on one and not get a good one. And they would move around. They wouldn't be a lot. They, they would be so super uncomfortable comfortable and this one i actually don't mind because sometimes if i don't go straight home from the gym or whatever i mean you know a, a lot of times you want to get that thing off as quick as you can i actually don't mind just walking around in this thing till i get home so i mean was the was i got what made you craig think to specifically get into that niche of equipment does that make sense like uh yeah no, i mean it, it, I, I didn't mean to get into it i first wanted to just get involved involved in the in the sport you know i okay i, post, I mean i'm i'm gonna be 40 years old tomorrow so i i watched some of the tapes in college i was always a big athlete and um i just loved the sport when it got back on tv and started making t-shirts and fight shorts and then they then the fighters were saying hey man we don't need any more fighters we need a good cup they were yeah. just wearing the stuff at walmart so I recruited a couple of designers, uh, you know, one's a wrestler from Purdue uh, that trains with Gil Melendez. He's an industrial designer, and him and I kind of just started making this thing to, to, to solve the problem in, in 
in the game when someone would get kicked low. And then Rogan saw my videos of me getting kicked in the cup to test it. And um, we sent one to him. This was a, you know years ago. And then on one of the broadcasts, there was a low blow shot. And guy went down and Joe started talking about our product on the live broadcast. And that really, um, you know, it, it did a lot for us. And uh, it crashed our website and really got you know the the word out about our product so. yeah that's you by the way if you go to diamondmma.com this is the website uh you can see that demo that uh craig is uh talking about uh where the guys are really testing it in real time i don't know if i got kicked that hard yesterday but we were sparring yesterday and uh i guy tried to teep kick and it went low and he caught me right in the bad spot and he was like oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry I, let me give you a minute let me give you a minute and i just looked at him Stone faced, and I said, "No minute needed." I'm wearing that's diamond a, MMA. That, that's the goal. That's yeah. what we want. No that's minute awesome. needed. Yeah. The thing I do like about it the most, and it makes sense now that you said a wrestler helped you design, is it doesn't yeah. move around when you grapple. Because I have never worn a cup until this cup came along. Even with the tie cup, I only wore it if I was sparring on my feet. But if we mm -hmm. were doing anything on the ground. Hell no, I ain't wearing that shit because like half the time your equipment comes out of the side, you go to armbar someone or they're in half guard and they sit across it, it crushes you. It moves too much. Cups weren't invented for jujitsu guys. It just right. doesn't work. And even wrestlers in college don't wear cups. I never wore a cup when I wrestled just because it moves around. It's just too awkward in grappling. Boxing, you can get away with it because the stance and whatnot, the movement is not as severe on the ground. No one's rubbing up against you. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for what we do, that like I said, the fact that it sticks in place, that's my favorite aspect. Thanks. Yeah, that's the whole point. I mean, if we can make the cup stay in place for grapplers and, and MMA fighters, and it's going to be good enough for baseball and hockey and, and lacrosse and all these other sports, we've got we've got male nurses that work in hospitals that are wearing these, and correctional officers that are wearing these. Just you know, it's amazing the different for uh, paint guys doing paintball. I mean, just anybody huh. that wants to protect their junk and have a cup that's not going to shift and move is is really. Uh, you know what we're doing so it's good to hear if you if you you uh, need convincing of the importance of what we're talking about uh frank tell craig the mirko crow cop story <laughs> oh wow yeah, well that's back when i still wore a tie cup and i think uh, richard's gone and found the clip and isolated it for me but my i'm moving and i'm wrestling against the cage with mirko so because we wrestled with each other it moved my cup over now this is live on pay-per-view all right and yep. then when he throws a knee he continues to move it over even more and, and crushes me and it hurt but what hurt even more was that i couldn't get my junk back inside the cup without being real graphic on air so i'm trying yep. to find a way to do this without you know what i mean like i'm in the middle of the cage dude fuck i got like three cameras on me and then you know ten thousand people watching i'm trying to figure out how to way to maneuver so i'm looking over at my corner I'm like I'm, I'm not inside you know what I, mean? <laughs> I don't know how else to say it you know? i'm not in man <laughs> i'm not in <laughs> and then and then uh, one of my trainers is like well get on your button bounce you know see if you can adjust it so i'm sitting there like humping up at the air trying to hopefully i can get the thing to move without actually just saying screw it and just mm -hmm. Uh, probably would have been better in hindsight just to put my hand down my pants. Yeah, probably looked a lot less worse than I ended up making it look. Yeah, these are <laughs> problems. Yeah. It is a problem, and you know that's the point. We we would love to see our level of protection be the mandated um, groin protection for all these organizations for everybody. Um, just for that reason, it's 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 hard enough to do what you guys are doing and, and these fights and all the pressure, but to have to worry about a cup and a piece of equipment that's that's not working right is the last thing you need. Um, 
Yeah, if you go uh, also go Mikey to the uh to the the shop uh drop down menu there. Yeah, and just hit uh yeah, that's fine. Yeah, cuz it shows you the difference. Cuz the other thing is too, the way I mean we talk a lot about how good the cup is, but the shorts Craig themselves and that whole system that you have, I mean you were just showing them there a no, second that's... ago momentarily. That makes yeah. all the difference uh, in the world too. And I even noticed on your website you've got like where you can just order the the actual shorts which help with right. not having to do laundry every day so we have a couple i mean our, our real bread and butter is the four strap jock it's these the the inside leg straps and then these two rear straps yeah. that kind of go on the butt and we have a, a jock strap version where it's just the jock with the, with no compression shorts oh, I didn't know that yet. we have um the compression shorts with the built-in jock and, That's and what I you know some yeah. other products so it's definitely a, some guys have a different preference of what they like to use yeah. Have, have you found that, because like, like I was saying with Frank, I mean, you know, Frank's the one who originally turned me on to, to your company after just a lot of frustrating trial and error on my end. And I was the typical, you know, Frank's the pro fighter. I was the, the guy who's, you know, signing up for his first jiu-jitsu class. What, did you feel like that didn't need to be no, no, cleared no, no. up? Oh, okay. What we were talking about off the air. I was trying to figure oh. out a joke on it, but I knew you didn't want it. <laughs> Well, okay, I'll tell you what, I will just say this, too. I will just say this, too. Uh, you don't have an easy time with cups. <laughs> I will just say that one of the things I appreciate about Diamond MMA is that there is a lot of room in the cup. There is. There is. Good. I'll just be honest with you. Yeah, he and needs I, it. I, I appreciate that, Craig, because sometimes that is an issue. Uh but uh, a manly man like yourself needs good volume and depth to get all of his uh, important parts inside. Look, here's what I'm saying is I'm saying is, you know, you can't have too little room. You can always have more than you need. I mean, that's fine. You keep. Your I've key. always got more than I need. <laughs> hey, you know, you keep your keys in there. So, you know, extra mouthpiece. But, but actually, I didn't realize that they came up with the jockstrap only one. I yeah. need to order some more because I'm constantly I only have two pair. And every night, if you know, it doesn't yep. get washed, then I don't wear a cup. Of no, that, that's me. Yeah. With the laundry. So that comes in handy, too. But, uh, you know, I, what I was going to say is that, you know, Frank was, the you know, the pro fighter. He turns me on. But I'm the I'm the probably the typical person that you hope to find as a customer craig because i'm the guy that just oh i need a cup i don't know much about this kind of stuff i just signed up to start jujitsu so i go to the sporting yep. goods store and well i don't know this one you can get one for 15 dollars, but why is this other one more expensive you know you don't know what to 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 get so um you know that's i'm i'm probably the person who really needs to to receive that message and what i was going to ask you is have you found that it, through the years of doing this i mean you, you mentioned you know rogan doing a testimonial for you and everything and then you know obviously frank knew about the product and now as you go has it been a long enough period of time that you find that that word of mouth is just kind of speaking for itself circulating oh, amongst yeah. the community yeah i mean I mean, we have i mean from you know tj dillashaw to anthony pettis to i mean all the champions are i've been wearing our stuff and all the guys below them and and you know the average white belt or whoever that, that's just training and wants good protection um you know it, it is expensive but when it comes to your nuts it's usually worth it i mean it, it's we give a lifetime warranty in our cup if it ever cracks or tears or whatever we send you a new one and um yeah i mean it, it it's spreading we're, we're trying to keep up with demand we're growing and um yeah we're we're um we just want to be the best in the world at one thing and solve this problem so guys that are training no matter what they're training can just focus on their training not shifting and adjusting their cup and like frank said 
having having a nut or something outside of that cup and then getting smashed. Oh. That's what really causes, yeah, that, I mean, that's what causes the injury. God it's, Almighty! Uh, you better wear nothing at all. So yeah, oh, so. hurts just thinking about it. I don't know if that's an official ad slogan or not. But you know, what do you do if when it comes to your nuts, it's worth it? Is a great slogan. You right. know how many fights I fought without a cup because I hated how they f- moved around on the ground. Oh man, that's crazy! Yeah, because you walk crazy. up, the referee never checks your cup himself. Uh-huh. He asks you to do the yeah. Doc, right. I, I never understood. So then when I would walk up to him, I would just knock mm-hmm. on the top of my bladder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. cup, dude, right here. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> and walk right inside the cage. All right, you know what I'm going to do, Craig? I just thought of something. So so uh, I have my first amateur MMA fight coming up December 1st. And nice. when, when the referee does the cup check thing for me, and he got, rather than just doing the knock, I'm going to do, like, the diamond sign. Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, I'll just do that on the camera, right, so everybody knows. Do I get to yeah. kick you in the balls before you go in there then? You know what? That boy, no, is the answer. <laughs> but uh, not that – Not I, I, it's, I, at least I know if you ever uh, did it that I would, I would be uh, – You survived. Well, prepared. you've just told us that sometimes after training you still wear a cup, so we're actually going to have to test that <laughs> yeah, out, I think, right. every yeah. now and again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, a well, couple hours after training, just test, just, just give him a kick and you should be wearing it. That's, yeah. Uh, I had a coach that had to do that with me because I refused to wear a cup so much, uh-huh. so often, mm-hmm. that it was one of my fights, and uh, I was going to fight Congo, uh-huh. and I wouldn't wear a cup to practice. And he was like, you got to get used to wearing a cup, so wear one. I'm like, yeah. ah, screw this shit. And so then he would check me in practice and, and go to knee me in the nuts, not hard, or slap me in the balls. And if I wasn't wearing a cup, obviously that wasn't oh. the most comfortable experience. Yeah. So it was like, you know, he wouldn't ask me anymore. I'm like, I'm not going to ask you anymore. Just every once in a while, I'm going to pop you in the balls. Jesus right. Christ. All right. It's a good friend. Yeah. yeah. Cups and mouth guards are definitely, uh, definitely important. And, um, you know, I, I love what I do. I'm an athlete. I, I, I'm, you know, I train jujitsu and, still play baseball and I, I have I wear them all the time you know once you get used to wearing a comfortable cup you don't feel good not having a cup on um, so yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and Frank I'm definitely going to send you a nice care package no pun intended but nah. um, get you some more more pairs for, for your laundry because uh, you should definitely have a pair for every time you're training Thank Fantastic. You, yeah, the, awesome. the website is diamondmma.com. And actually, for anybody listening, we have a, a cool offer that uh, that Adam, your, your PR guy, um, hooked us up with, Craig. And it was funny because when he when we talked, and like I said, he had just kind of made this cold solicit, you know, not solicitation, but email, reach yeah. out. You know, he reached out and just said, hey, really like the podcast. Would you be interested in this? And I told him, I said, man, I, I think I have personally sold three or four of these just in this training program that I'm doing because there were a lot of guys who are they're doing this program with me called Went to Warrior where they're all doing their first amateur fight and a lot okay. of the, a lot of the guys for the first time were having to go hey I gotta buy a cup I gotta buy a mouthpiece what do I get so I was preaching the diamond MMA gospel up at Syndicate and so I know they they got several of them so Adam sent us a link uh, Frank that we're putting up on our website at phonebookfighting.com we'll also tweet out on our social media and everything where uh you can actually go uh through us uh here at phone blue fighting to get a diamond mma cup and it'll actually help uh support the show because we're doing a little affiliate program thing hopefully our listeners learn that i mean hey coming from a guy that would rather not wear a cup than wear a mm -hmm. bad cup this is the cup i wear when i fight you know what it should be that should be our official secret phone booth fighting handshake is like when people come to our live shows and stuff they can just go around hit each other in the nuts and see who's got the diamond mma cup on 
I got to get some for your studio. I'll send you guys some. We'd love it. <laughs> Protect everybody now. Yeah, yeah. I can see it, it now. It's we'd like, well, it. you guys said it was a free ball shot. I'm like, yeah. what have you started? <laughs> Craig, thanks for making some time for us, man. I know you're uh, you're on a vacation, so uh, uh, that's. I'm, I'm always working. Thanks, guys, for having me. And yeah, it, it means a lot. Again, I started this company out of my car, um, and and we still got a long ways to go, but we make a great product, and we're getting a lot of support from people and. Um, yeah, follow us on Instagram at Diamond MMA and, and check out our website. And if you get our cup or, or and our system and it's not perfect or just doesn't fit right, we'll exchange it or return it even after you've worn it. So that's how we do things. And I appreciate you guys having me on. It's, it's awesome. great, great product and a great company. All right, Craig Diamond from Diamond MMA. DiamondMMA.com is the website. Thanks for coming on with us again, man. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, Thanks, guys. Frank, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, saw the the news. Uh, Princey and I were talking about it uh, a second ago, but uh, Eddie Alvarez has now officially signed with one. Um, you know, he became a free agent. Of course, the former Bellator champion turned UFC champion once again, became a free agent, and surprised some people by deciding to go with uh, with one, the overseas organization. A lot of people thought, hey, if the UFC doesn't resign him, maybe he sticks around in, uh, in Bellator. But, you know, it seems like he's at that point in his career. He said himself that, well, you know, one is the only major organization I haven't gone to yet where I haven't won a title. Um, but I'm sure money factored into no, this thing too the guy's already proven himself he's won belts in two of the top organizations in the world you know what i mean he's been mm -hmm. a bellator champion now a ufc champion i'm pretty sure that at this point in his career pay has to be and rightfully so if i was his buddy and he told me that he's gonna go stick with the ufc or stick with bellator and get paid less i would tell him that he's an idiot at mm -hmm. that point you've made it you've put titles on your trophy on your case um, you, know, you, you got the medals hanging on the wall. Like now, you know what? You can't fight forever. You better put some more money away in the bank or you know whatever you want to invest in. I would think that's you know. So basically, it just shows me that one FC probably offered him the most money. Mm. He's he's thirty four years old. So I mean, he's still got uh, oh, yeah, you know he's still, still, still got some him. fight ah. left in him. Princey, you said you had communicated with him. Was that the possibility well, yeah. <laughs> of maybe doing something with ACB? Was that yeah, well, not yeah. directly with him, but okay. I was contacted by uh, the, the Russian uh, matchmaker from ACB uh, to inquire as towards his availability, and then yeah. and when I, and, and when I spoke to uh, his represent his rep representatives, they they just said that they were looking for more. They were really happy with what the UFC had offered. Yeah, uh, they were looking for more like of an ambassador role for him, so he could like, be more invested within the company. Okay, um, and and it, and by all intents and purposes, it sounds like he found that within one. Obviously, Eddie Alvarez, before he had a successful career with Bellator, was over in Japan with the likes of uh, maybe Dream, I think, and, and I think even for Pride, perhaps. But mm -hmm. so he he's built his name there with, and, and and perhaps they're seeing him as like a flagship for their lightweight division, just as they'd seen Askren as a flagship for the welterweight before. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have one of my uh, guys that actually fights for one. So so what, what I will say is that they're the biggest organization that nobody really knows about mm -hmm. in, in in Asia they are the UFC so right right yeah and you know with with Alvarez in particular I mean he's, he's coming off the the loss back in July to Dustin Poirier that was the last uh fight on his contract but you know his time in the UFC I 
I mean, I think you have to declare it a success. I mean, his, uh, I mean, not only, well, that's a silly thing to say, of course you declare it a success, but what I mean is that even after he was not the lightweight champion anymore, he was fight, he fought nothing but contenders. Justin Gaethje, what a fight that was. Oh, that's bit. what I was going to say. And even, even losses were, uh, the Gaethje fight was a win, but, but even, uh, losses like to Poirier were exciting fights, you know, the, 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 you know, he, he really, um, you know, because sometimes when somebody comes over, especially when they're they have such a reputation as somebody who fought outside the UFC, but we never seen them in the UFC. Mm-hmm. What's it going to be like when they actually get in? He comes in, not only looks like he immediately belongs, he's putting on fantastic fights and becomes their champion. And you know, also think about his career too, because there was that time in Bellator, you know, when he was having the contract dispute and everything that he had to sit out. You remember all that? And he, he I think he's been fortunate in the sense that even though he's gone through struggles like that, it really didn't derail his career. You know, he really came back just you know without missing a beat and so maybe you know this is exactly what an organization like one needs like you said maybe the biggest organization that most average fans don't know about maybe this is the kind of thing that helps them get familiar yeah Yeah. i I think potentially so but and 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 when you speak about uh alvarez within the ufc what's like the biggest memory that you have of him obviously be rda but that that wasn't a very famous fight that soon got forgotten about so right so so I, I would think about the, the McGregor outing, right? Yeah, right. And, and it's such a shame that his legacy would be hung on that fight. I think he maybe lost his first fight in the UFC. I, I could be, I could be wrong, but it, it, but he was interspersed with a lot of success. Yeah, that was the loss to Cowboy, Cowboy it, Cerrone. But then he went on to defeat Gilbert Melendez, Anthony Pettis, and RDA before that uh, McGregor. They fight. They can all fight a little bit, right? Yeah, They're all bit. not too yeah. shabby. Yeah, yeah, oh. and and the and the Gagey fight, and like I said, the the the, the Poirier fights. He I never. Mean, were, if you yeah. just listed the top ten there, I think so. Yeah, he, he fought a who's who of yeah. killers there. Yeah, I mean, you, can you relate to that a little bit, Frank? In terms of you know, I mean, you're you're only a few years older than him, but you know, you kind of got to that same point with going to Bellator yeah. and things like that, where like I think you just said there are things that factor into mm-hmm. a fighter's decision making into their 30s that maybe don't necessarily factor into their 20s. Yeah, because when you sit there and go, okay, well, you know, well, he's not old yet; he's 34. Yeah. 34 for a lightweight is not old, but you're starting to get there. Yeah. And if you got to think, okay, this is the contract I sign now. Well, you sign, let's say, the average contract, three to four fights. That's an average of probably about two years that you're under contract by that company. Well, all of a sudden now you're, well, my next contract after this one, I'm going to be 36 pushing 37. If there's no injuries involved that extend how long I'm under contract. That's probably not going to be a very lucrative contract signing a 37-year-old lightweight. Yeah. So that's why you have to look at, you know, it'd be like, you know, heavyweights, we age, I think, at a much slower rate for whatever reason. We fight less than the lightweights do. We're not cutting weight. Uh, you peak later, don't you? We do. And, uh, and, and I believe that within every fight, you do have a window. So whether Eddie knows that or his representative, listen, the window's closing, whether that be physical, like psychologically, whether that be like obviously within his person. So like you said, it's a good opportunity to, to, to jump out, have, have a good payday within a good organization. That, and really... Uh, if you look at the organization, there's only really Shinya Aoki uh, within that weight division that, A, we would have he- like really mm-hmm. heard of on mm-hmm. these shows. Mm-hmm. And and it isn't perhaps the UFC caliber of the opponents that we've spoken about. Okay. So, And with him wanting the, a role as an ambassador, maybe like you said, he's got two years left within him and then he moves on to be a presenter. Is an opportunity to do that with him one? It sounds like a, a terrific move to me. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you pointed out, the decisions that a 30-year-old fighter make, 20-year-old fighter... 
they are different because mm-hmm. just as I say that, hey, when you're pushing the, the twilight years of mm-hmm. your career, money probably becomes one of the biggest factors for your decision-making skills. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, there's a time when, when you first start out, it's just to get a fight. Then there are times when it's like, okay, well, now it's to get a fight where people can see me. Now it's to fight people that are super tough so I can prove myself. That becomes the first factor into me. You know, it's like, Now it's like, well, I want to win a title. Okay, well now, well, now I want to win a title somewhere where it's a respectable main organization title. You know what I mean? Like, so if someone says, hey, I'll pay you more money to fight somewhere over here and you're a young guy, it's like, well, no, I need to put my mark on the world. I'm going to go ahead and take the tougher route that's less money because I'm looking for a different reward. But then once those rewards have been attained, like Eddie Alvarez has attained those awards, well, now it's like, well, are you fighting to go ahead and now say that you're the one FC champ? I'm sure that would be cool for him. I'm thinking that. But I guarantee he didn't go with one FC if they would have paid him less just to say that he went and won a one FC yeah. title. You know yeah, what I mean? Like right. if he did do that, then I'm gonna have to talk to Eddie and be like, dude, that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, at this point you have less fights ahead of you than you have, you know, behind you. You have to select cash first. Well, let's put a wrap on this one. Wanna uh, thank everybody for being with us on this episode of Phone Booth Fighting. Wanna thank uh, Serena De Jesus for uh, joining us, talking some women's MMA, one of our uh, training partners over there at Syndicate MMA. Also, uh, Craig Diamond from Diamond MMA, the best cup that money can buy, ladies and gentlemen. Check out diamondmma.com. Carl Prince, Princey, uh, Frank's striking coach, sitting in the studio with us, bringing an international perspective and flavor to the broadcast, which uh, it classes it up. A little bit. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever said about. Honestly, (laughs) you haven't been to Mexico. I know that Frank was. I know that Frank was alluding to the size of your penis. I've I've never had anyone congratulate me on that, so I'll take that. There you go. There you go. Uh, All right, Frank, do a couple things for me uh, in closing. Tell them about the importance of that Amazon banner at phoneboothfighting.com. Why should people click through that to shop on Amazon? Yeah, by going on to phoneboothfighting.com, you see down there we have the Amazon banner. Just click on that banner, it transports you there to Amazon so you can do your shopping for all your wants and needs. But by going through there first, we get a small percentage of your purchase at no extra cost to you. Comes back to help us here at the show. We see you doing it. We see you supporting us, and we thank you for it. Also, uh, go to iTunes, look up Phone Booth Fighting, click on those five stars, give us a five-star review. That helps uh, our ratings and uh, write us a favorable line or two in the review section, and uh, maybe we'll read those on the air. We like to do that from time to time. One more thing, Frank, tell everybody how to follow us on social media. Well, you can phone us, find us on Phone Booth Fighting on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're on Snapchat and Twitter, it's just Phone Booth Fight. That's it for all of our guests in studio. And Porno Mikey, the newly married Porno Mikey, who's back in studio producing. It's good to have the band back together. I'm Richard Hunter, and we'll see you right back here next time on Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was Kung Fu.